Welcome everybody to the Subtle Maneuvers podcast. My name is Andrew Jacoby and I am joined today by my guest Fedor Ikalar. Fedor, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. I'm very interested. I, we Fedor and I met here in Bansko, Bulgaria um, and we taught a good long talk about life of comedy on the road. Fedor is a comedian. So uh, the purpose of the show, we'd like to here to talk to um, creative people about how they are kind of getting through this modern life. So it's based on this quote by Franz Kafka. Uh, he wrote in 1912, it's called, um, time is short, my strength is limited, the office is a horror, and the apartment is noisy. And if a pleasant, straightforward life is not possible, then one must try to wriggle through by subtle maneuvers. So our goal will be to find out how Fedor is wriggling through this life. So Fedor, again, welcome and Maybe you could start by just giving a little bit of your background and where you're from and kind of... Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so, so I'm Dutch. I'm from the Netherlands, Amsterdam originally. Um, and now living and working as a full-time stand-up comedian or road comedian, if you want. If you want, like touring a lot, uh, doing gigs everywhere and uh, yeah, trying to get by like that, <laughs> which is a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So I'm curious, when did you start your com your your comedy, your stand up comedy? What like what what was the inspiration to do it? Were you trying other artistic pursuits and then you landed on comedy, or was it you're just a funny kid and you said, hey, if I could make money doing this, great, it's even better. I've I've messed around a little bit with writing before this. Uh, what kind of writing? Uh, short stories mainly. Uh, In English or Dutch? In Dutch, mainly in Dutch. Uh, I translated a couple that were easy to translate, uh, but mainly in Dutch as a way just of you know expressing some creativity. Um, I always had an interest in comedy, but I started to pursue that very late in life because I'm, I'm 43 now. I did <laughs> to think too long about that. <laughs> and I only started uh, actually doing stand-up about six years ago. That was your first show was six years ago. Yeah. So you were whatever, thirty eight or thirty seven or whatever. Yeah. My yeah, yeah. Around that age. Um which was late, but I had a long interest in comedy before that, just watching it and I always had the idea, like this seems fun. This also seems like something I can do. Um but then got put off of the idea of trying it because uh I got a message that a ex girlfriend of mine this twenty years ago, she was trying an open mic for the first time. She was gonna give her a, comedy ago which fascinated me because i don't remember her ever being funny <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went to that open mic hopefully she's not listening uh <laughs> hope not i'm not mentioning names right, right. Um, and there's not that many listeners so statistically we're doing okay and there are too many exes so that's fine <laughs> but i i went to that open mic to to, to watch uh, just you know for support and she died so horribly on oh, stage. Terrible. Uh, that I think that kind of made me put the whole idea out of my mind for a long time. Not that much more painful than that is the oh, yeah. standing up in front of people trying to make them laugh and failing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of all the performing arts, maybe other than like falling from a high wire into a non-net. That would probably be the worst thing. It's 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 a painful thing standing there and not getting a getting a laugh. I mean, I did my first time wasn't that bad, but I've had those, you know. Right. We all every comedian has had that situation where you're just it's getting just not nothing. Working. Yeah, it's you're just, just dying there. And, and if times. it's an hour show, that's a problem. 
You're hoping that's oh, happen during the five minutes. Yeah, but even the five minutes feels like an hour when you're yeah. getting nothing back. You know, right. when it's when it's going well, time flies, but time really is relative because it stands still when it's right. uh, it's going yeah. horrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that put me off that idea for a long time. Until about six years ago, it was actually somebody else that uh, at a co-working space, coincidentally, hmm. that had just started doing comedy, and he suggested to also give it a try and i thought well why not and then he actually kind of forced me to because he was organizing a show and he didn't have enough people and yeah got on there had fun uh mainly enjoyed the way of expressing myself creatively like figuring out that puzzle how to make an audience laugh um and yeah haven't stopped since so, th- so did you write jokes for that or did you just kind of go up and improv do crowd work or what was your what was uh, your no, theory at, in the beginning i i wrote i wrote uh, uh yeah i sat down and wrote a wrote a set for that first time got it uh, memorized it so like this was a pure this is a process yeah, yeah 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 um which especially the first time is is challenging because you know there's so much going on you're worried about a lot of things uh, so then the memorizing is a little bit of a challenge. Sure. Um, we actually have a, a comedy show here in Bansko tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow night. You're going to do it? Uh, I'm going to be hosting it. Great. And, and there are some people fun. doing their first time, and that's what they're really struggling with. Like I've been talking to them the, the past week. One also just backed out f- 10 minutes ago right. well, <laughs> because she just... cannot memorize uh, right. her set. And that's a, that's a challenge for people that just, you know, memorizing it and then still pretending to feel comfortable on that stage the hardest part yeah it's just the comfort on front of people like yeah 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 yeah. but it's uh yeah that first time went surprisingly well Uh, and that gave me probably too much confidence to keep pursuing it (laughs) also i mean i guess you could also make the assumption hey i'm writing anyway nobody's reading what i'm writing yeah so it's just a new form of me expressing myself in the written in, the, in in a, in writing essentially because I'm just going to write these jokes and instead of putting it to some literary magazine or whatever that nobody's going to read I'll just write a little bit of a tweak here I'll do some jokes and we'll see what I'll put my writing into you know speech it's, yeah yeah and I also did actually take one of the short stories and convert not for that first time but later on converted a short story to a bit that I did on on stage right um it is it ends up being a very different style right, of writing right, sure sure um which is actually the f- for on stage suits me better uh the more conversational style uh, really rather than just putting it out on paper yeah yeah i noticed when feedback I, yeah it's the i really enjoy the direct feedback of it uh the interactional part the the i enjoyed writing the short stories as well and i i still cannot find the time but i still would like to occasionally you know uh write something in that form mm. but i i missed i missed the feedback that's just you write it you put it out there and then you don't know if anyone reads it what happens right uh, especially if you're not super famous or whatever and you yeah. know that lots of people are reading it and contacting it but even if they are you're not getting immediate feedback you're not seeing their reaction immediately as you do with comedy yeah the We're same it's similar with like street performing and music like you just sort of see, you get to see immediately what's what your what your what the response is to what you're doing yeah and like sort of also what works and what doesn't work exactly like, and what gets better response and like oh this is potential or should focus more on this right with street performing it's actually it's super clean because you get money 
So it's like you can just watch what's happening, you know, if you're if people are willing to like part with their cash. Then. But interesting. So you so you went and you did you decide did you then were you had a job at this point? This is uh or did you were you like, what was the what were you doing otherwise? Um, I, w- I was uh, I should nicely ca- call it in between jobs. At <laughs> you were a consultant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a consultant. It's oh, uh, so you're unemployed? No, no. <laughs> I consult with people. It's Do they pay uh, you? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's some call it mansplaining. <laughs> <laughs> I call it consulting. Um, That's good. No, I was just uh, yeah, literally kind of just in be- in between jobs. Uh, figuring out what to do which also doesn't mean i stri- straight up went to doing comedy full-time because that's definitely yeah. not a sure uh a feasible option so i went back you know did other jobs after that again um but uh um yeah so i had also had which was good for the beginning i had some time to explore that creativeness and spend time on writing and that whole process and f- Figuring out which material want to do, g- try to hit more stages and try more stuff out. Right. So I could ha- I had a the luck that I had a lot of stage time in the beginning, which for a lot of comedians is difficult to right. get a get. So there's a lot of open mics in the area, or you were doing your own. You were starting to um, get your own shows, or you just doing well a the, bunch of open mics. The weird uh, thing about where I started is that I started in Nepal. <laughs> Where the 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 first of course, (laughs) (laughs) I think the first show I did was actually the second ever comedy show in Nepal. (laughs) You're like a pioneer. Uh, Yeah, well, the guy that asked me, he was Nepalese. He he was he's the real uh, pioneer, Ayush, Um, and he's still doing it. He's gotten really good at it. He's a great comedian. Um, But that also meant like every show he organized, uh, and later on I I organized. I had to be on there because there were like. At some point, we had four comedians, and that was it. <laughs> He's like, "Come on, guess what? I'm calling you. Why am I calling you? I need you." Uh, and where you where you would start off in New York and you go to open mics, yeah, you, forget you, it. You, Thirty seconds. Yeah, exactly. You, mm-hmm. you get like two minutes. You wait for three hours to do two minutes. <laughs> right. And I started off with doing fifteen minute, fifteen minutes, wow, that's which a is actually which is mm-hmm. a lot. It's actually too much. It doesn't like it took me a while to learn how to write tighter material. Because I had a little bit too much time to explore. Like you could ramble. The yeah. jokes could ramble. Yeah. So you wanted to tighten it up. And a five-minute set would help you do that. Yeah. 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 If you have a time limit at all. Like the Nepalese, they, they would always, my Nepalese colleague uh, comedian would always joke that, you know, we're spiritual people. Time is relative. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever. Uh, so that was also how I didn't even get, to, they didn't even say do 15 minutes. They just like, hey go on stage right. and then when i felt that i was done i went off which is uh insane for comedy standards it's also not good for the show but it did give me like a lot of time on stage in the beginning time yeah. to get comfortable figure out what to talk right. about and get that. some get some get some reps in and how long was that i mean why, why were you in nepal to begin with just traveling and that would seem like a cool place to be or uh, t- uh traveling with uh, with my wife linda or then she was still my girlfriend um and she'd been to Nepal before. She loved it. And we went there and then we were going to go for two weeks. And in those two weeks, she found a job. Uh, so we ended up staying a couple of years. Uh, what was Nepal like? Uh, lovely. Um, yeah. I, I really I, I miss it a bit. I haven't been in a while. I love the people especially. They're very friendly, kind, and like sincerely interested in, in, 
inquisitive and their English proficiency is pretty good so you can get a get around have nice conversations with locals from all the countries I've lived I had most contact with the lo actual local population in Nepal which, right, which I really is really kind enjoyed. of a problem with the traveling life is that you tend to find people that are like you and you just create a bubble yeah whereas you're you're in a similar bubble in all the right, countries and they're my my friends were half of them were Nepalese, half of them were foreigners, and I really enjoyed that mix. It's very interesting. So the Nepalese were very open to the to the foreign population there. Yeah, yeah, right? that's great. And then so so you left Nepal, and then you went. Did you go back to to Holland, or what? What happened after that? Uh, back to the Netherlands, uh, and also traveling a bit more. So so I started after Nepal. I think the first place I did comedy was in the Netherlands. Uh, you did in English always. Uh, from the I beginning. did it. Uh, so first time in Netherlands, I also did in Dutch, okay. and I now sometimes still do it in Dutch. Not if that you're in often. The Netherlands. Yeah, when I, when I'm there, but not even in the Netherlands. There's actually more English comedy happening now than Dutch comedy. So wonder why that is. There's more Dutch people who speak Dutch there. Like so, why um, would that be? Why is that? I think the the expat community enjoys the comedy shows more than the locals. Yeah, because it's also like, hey, it's a thing we can do together and meet other expats. Right. Uh, you know, because they curious to meet uh, other other foreigners, stuff to do together. Sure. And, and a lot of the audience is also mixed Dutch people and yeah. foreigners because it's something they can do together. The English proficiency is good enough of the Dutch people. Yeah, so you can understand comedy and they can... Yeah, that's interesting. And so you started, you came back and you were doing, was it still sort of like open mic type of scene or was yep. it you now starting to, hey, I've been practicing, I'm ready to do my own shows? In, uh, well, in, in Nepal, we were doing bigger, ser more serious shows, but the level, like looking back now, the level was still very mediocre. Uh, but that meant in Nepal that we were still the best thing around. So, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, the, right. so, so there we were doing actual proper shows. Um, and Netherlands, I was, yeah, needed to start back at the open mic level, sure. build my way up, also build more material that works better in, in Europe than uh, just in Nepal. And yeah, slowly build my way up to doing more and more professional paid gigs. Uh, to now, I actually s wanted to, switch to doing it full time um i know the date because i registered as a company on that date on march it's a big 4th, day yeah march 4th 2020 uh, which so three is years ago -ish. yeah but also 10 days before the pandemic started <laughs> <laughs> so that this will be funny <laughs> yeah so that was a very short <laughs> career <laughs> <laughs> right you're like like oh this is good for the comedy <laughs> So yeah, no, I did it. Uh, like uh, left all, all other jobs, pursued it uh, full time. Then the pandemic hit, and then I had to take on you're another like, job. Zoom again. comedy. Hey, this is great. <laughs> oh, I'll yeah. tell jokes yeah, yeah, yeah. on Zoom, and they're like, "This is depressing." I'll it's very depressing. Yes, yeah. I, that, that's. Uh, I'm glad you realized that. Not yeah. all everyone does, but doing yeah, comedy two online is it's two dimensional. It sucks the life out of you. You miss that direct feedback, that the actual contact and interaction. It's uh, we we did it uh, a bunch in the beginning. I even in April, I think like f five weeks into the whole pandemic and lockdowns, where I organized with uh, someone else a twenty-four hour online comedy marathon. <sighs> with uh, every hour was another country, and we kind of followed the time zones, which was a very cool initiative. 
That sounds interesting. With like 50 people watching. <laughs> so much More com- The comedians, it's like kind of like an open mic where the comedians outnumber the audience. Right? Yeah, pretty much. If it's pretty the same as, in, as like a music open mic, it's all musicians. So you're yeah. Pl- yeah. You're yeah, playing yeah, for yeah. zero audience, essentially. It's, uh, and they're, I don't know, probably mu- musician. Um, do they make a good audience? Musicians? No, nah, it depends. I mean, you know, there's like, as I'm sure it's with comedy is the same. There's some people, yeah, but then there's also this kind of like, uh, you know, sort of p- tall poppy thing. If you're doing well, then, you know, it's like this kind of competition. Yeah. Like I was an athlete growing up as a kid and I was, you know, I wanted to, uh, one of the things I really liked about getting into music was that, oh, there's no competition here. I'm getting away from all this competition. And I, I realized that that just wasn't true. Oh, the yeah. competition yeah. was just more subliminal, like sublimated in a way. So it's underneath. It's like, oh, you're a great show. You know, yeah. like that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like in, 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 I was playing tennis. So in tennis, it was clear, like, okay, are you better than me or am I better than you? Let's go find out. Yeah. It's very easy for us to determine it. And that actually clarified the relationship. It's like, okay, I get it. He's better than me. But in music, there was never objective criteria to decide. So there's always this kind of discomfort yeah. of where people stood in some hierarchy. Yeah. And then the, you add on top of that, this kind of, um, well, the market likes his stuff better. And that even breeds more resentment. It's like, oh, well, the, you know, obviously he sucks, you know, whatever. Yeah. That kind of thing. And yeah. so... Um, I actually found it in the long run worse than the than the athletic, which was much clearer. But yeah. anyway, um, that, that's that's very recognizable, and I struggle a bit as well with that. It feels like, you know, it's always unclear how people really feel about you yeah. when you're successful. Nobody's happy, right? Um, and there's a lot of, I mean, it. it there are a lot of narcissists in comedy because it's it, yeah. you're like t- hey <laughs> you know you think you're already the premise is that you think you're worth lis- being listened to and exactly. get on the stage so that's exactly. already right. a bad sign right exactly uh so yeah there's a lot of jealousy there as well and you know if somebody gets booked for for a good paid gig everyone right. else Everyone's is like upset and right they, they blame them like oh no it's because you know she's a woman and she takes a box and blah 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 it's not because she's better well right. maybe she is better but right 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 it's uh it's a it's Painful. a lot of that and that's um frustrating to deal with yeah uh, for I sure mean, now i know you know you figure out at some point okay these are nice comedians that are just like supportive i hang around with them but right that's the way to, that's ultimately what you have to do is just find the people that are there are people that are good audience and that really care and that you know can be friends with and then, yeah. there's, then there's those that are just like I think as you get older, it gets easier too. Like I just, you just care less about that kind of stuff. You're just like, look, I'm doing my thing. I'm gonna go book my shows. If you want to talk behind my back or whatever, have your opinions about it. Go ahead, like whatever. It yeah, is what it is. Yeah, that when you're younger, it's more like, I'm gonna be the next Seinfeld or what? You know, whatever. And it's just like, no, you're not. Probably. It's just yeah. Like, I'm, I'm realistic. I yeah. know, like I, I can get by, and hopefully, in you know, the coming years, it can get by a little bit better. But uh, yeah, it's uh, there's not gonna be a, I, I'm not gonna have my own sitcom. That's yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's sort of like you go from this white collar view to the blue collar view, and it's much better that way. The white collar view is like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm like this, I'm this artiste, and yeah. I should be recognized by the powers that be. And then at some point, you know, when that doesn't happen, and time goes by then you get into the blue collar mode. It's like, no, I want to do this for a living. I'm going to figure out a way, grinding, to figure out a way to do it. And that's it. And that's what you did, right? I mean, essentially, you yeah. ultimately went to, okay, I have, in this one life, I have these jobs which I hate and don't feed me. Like, I mean, feed my soul in a certain way. Mm. And then this other thing, I have this thing I love, and I can make some money from it. So I'm just going to transition. And this is, I think, an interesting point, because I have this theory that there's like, 
there's only so many ways that a creative person can go with this. You either, number one, you just forget that you're a creative, you know, you just go get a job at a bank and you stop the comedy or the music or the writing or whatever, and that's it. You just quit. The other is that you say, okay, I'm a whore by day, and I'm, but it keeps my, my art pure. So mm-hmm. I'll just get a job at the bank during the day, but at night I'm going to go be a stand-up comedian, and that pay, uh, pays the bills. And I think there's a famous poet, I think it was Wallace Stevens in the States that sort of did this. I forget one of these guys. Or I think T.S. Eliot was also in this way. Like just I have a regular job. I can have a normal life, but I also am this creative person. And then there's the mixture which is like i'll be i'm an artist but i'll be a graphic designer Mm. right so it's like i'm gonna sort of manipulate my art into the commercial realm i would normally like to paint you know canvases but that doesn't pay so well so designing logos for dog food pays really well so i'll just do that and i'm like mixing my creativity and then your your mode which i would call the extreme hey i'm burning the ships in the harbor (laughs) <laughs> like I'm yeah. not, I don't have a job. I'm not going to try to become employable in any way, shape or form. I'm a middle-aged man and I'm committed to being a comedian come hell or high water. And so yeah. I'm curious, did you think of these other options? How did you view, um, maybe I there's d- others that I'm not thinking of. I did, didn't consider that. Um, I don't know. I was very, de- this, uh, I decided early on, like, yeah, I, this is what I love doing. Uh, the the office jobs I had before really sucked the life out of me. Uh, they, they, you know, no creativity and just mind numbing. Uh, so I, I was pretty clear. I want to avoid going back to that and just yeah, that sucked. Focus on the on the comedy. Um, but also now, in all fairness. You're missing the, the office. You're like, come I'm on. I'm not so much missing the <laughs> office. <laughs> You're like, dude, the office, man. At least there's a paycheck. It's, it's. I get it. Um, I miss a little bit of the freedom it gives when you don't need to rely on your comedy for money. Ah, yeah. Um, you don't want to make your your girlfriend your like whatever. Yeah, sort of. It's it's when you have the stability of a day job and you know the comedy is just purely creative and fun. Right. Comedy is um, a better mistress than wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good analogy, um, because I feel compared to when I did s- still had a day job, I'm actually writing uh, just as much comedy. Uh, I'm doing more shows. I'm writing just as much comedy, but mainly I'm spending way more time in the office, essentially. But your own office. Yeah, yeah. On promoting myself, on marketing, on booking the gigs, on all the 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 related stuff which is not the creative stuff right so how how did how do you view your decision to go all in now do you say like well this is just a pain that i have to deal with and it's much better or is there part of you that says you know what maybe i should like get a day job and just like maybe a part-time day job where i can you know freelance online doing something i don't know like editing copy or whatever whatever your your skills are that that have the most monetizable aspect and then just uh, it takes pressure off of me and then i can maybe even hire somebody to do this stuff i don't want to do for for my comedy or do you not do you not think that it's uh, i do i do consider that um and honestly that would probably be the smarter choice Mm -hmm. uh right now but i noticed with this i have a little bit of a all-in gamblers um mentality like, okay, I'm going to try to stick this through. And maybe the conclusion in two years is like, okay, this is really, like, it's not feasible. 
because honestly now i'm barely at the level like it's 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 just livable but it's not you're not putting money in the bank no uh so there needs to be some progress uh, within the next two years and then have you given yourself that time frame have you said hey look i'm giving this two years and at the end of two years if uh, Fedor Comedy doesn't pay me an extra more twenty percent more than I'm making now, I gotta I'm done. Like I've gotta do I've gotta make a different choice. Think less end of the end of next year. I think it's gonna uh, be a little bit decision time mm. uh, because I you know every year I learn and I have a better plan for next year. But if the better plan also doesn't uh, work better, you know financially better than this year work, then I need to consider doing something on the side right got it is that depressing to you or is it just like do you feel like hey it's just it's just prudential it's just it's just prudence it's just you know practical wisdom i gotta do it i'm i have this life that i have to lead i have a wife. you have a wife right? yeah yeah um do you want to have children i mean is that a part of the plan in your marriage or is, i mean it's personal so you don't have to answer that if you don't want the, to. The children is uh, is not in the plan okay uh, so that doesn't so there's not that aspect because yeah. that would put even that, extra that, pressure. that would make the decision uh yeah, that would, that would be even easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Did no, you ch purposely choose not to have? Was part of your calculus of not having kids that hey, I want to do this comedy, this art thing, or no? Uh, no, but more our lifestyle in general. Like both of us, we love like to travel, travel and, right. and, and so that freedom um, didn't make sense. Yeah, it's, it. I know you can't travel with kids. I know there are nomads with kids, but that's they travel differently than we do. Sure. Um, and also, neither of us get like super excited about kids. The right. whole idea in yeah. general. I mean, Whatever. That's also yeah. it's not something you want. Um, but yeah, now with comedy, especially that that uh, I I already had closed that door, but now there's extra lock on that door. a <laughs> 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 padlock on yeah. the on the uh, on the children's playpen is <laughs> is locked away in the basement, <laughs> very far down, subterranean. <laughs> yes. Um, so so then so. What, so it was kind of like you you just you your first decision was look this is what i like i want to try to do it i probably have a better chance of making it succeed if i go all in if yep. i burn the ships in the harbor yep. if i'm fighting on like you know i'm there's no way back so i'll do that at a, pr a certain time and then so it wasn't about it was about that was your best opportunity to to maximize your chance of making it work yep. and now why like why not just accept the poverty like you don't have kids and if you're sort of at the poverty line, let's say, or like you're able to just make it work, but you have to lower your lifestyle to a certain extent, is your desire to make more money just you want lifestyle inflation? Or do you, is it just like, you know, why, why do you care about the, why is the money important? In that it's, way? Uh, it, it's not a, a you know, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be a lot of money. I'm pretty okay with, you know, that right. poverty line. Uh, it's just, it shouldn't be at the level that it causes stress. Right, and now okay, it's so at the level that it can can be a little bit stressful. Got it. Uh, I don't need a lot of money, but I also don't want to be worrying about right. about money. Right. Um, so so yeah. would that mean would it, would it okay? For example, would it be okay for you if you just broke even and saved no money, but you were able to do your art full time? Yeah. Okay, that's yep. okay. Yep. So right now you're saying like if I go, it's a, what I can't do stress wise is I can't be digging into whatever I had built up or savings or relying on other people. That's yep. unacceptable. Yeah. So your goal is, 
okay, you know, and there's two ways to do that, right? You reduce your expenses, move back to Nepal, probably, or whatever, and then do comedy remote, which doesn't well, work. Well, I'm, I'm already living in Bulgaria, right, right, so right, already exactly, right, reduced so the expenses <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> right. so Why do you think I'm here? Right, that's right. That's <laughs> a good point. So, that's, so, um, so ultimately, the idea is, is it also this piece of there's a whole business aspect of the comedy that you don't enjoy? that's also a part of it or is it is it just a f pure like hey i want to do this full time i can't make it and and like i'm I, I give up trying at the moment like i need i need a hybrid solution here it's the the business aspect is a bit frustrating as well more frustrating like i can enjoy it a little bit as in like i think it's fun to think about creative ways to market a show promote a show uh how to title a show that kind of stuff um it's just right now it's it's like when most jobs 80 percent of my job feels like it's not doing comedy but it's working on that kind of stuff right 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 uh, so that balance is a little bit off yeah that's interesting it's also like you have to talk about yourself all day it's like hey i'm booking me it's all me 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 sort of like there's this kind of like all about you all day long i wonder if that's like how that if there's any all right, am I just wanting, you know, at least when I'm in the office job, it's sort of, I can put myself in the corner somewhere and just kind of like do, be a part of the, the office culture or whatever. But it's like, I don't know, is there something about, I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, no, that's, that. I mean, that's at least something that's not my, str I'm not good at promoting myself. Right. It's, uh, you know, even when I approach a comedy club for the first time, <laughs> I tend to undersell myself. Like, right. you know, hey, yeah, I'm like, terrible, but but you me. know, if you have nothing better, like really, okay, <laughs> <laughs> somebody drops out and if people somebody are dies, dead, if yeah. there's a stroke in the family, and you're not selling tickets anyway. You just need somebody to fill that that <laughs> right. stage. Right, right. I could, if all you, know. you care about is that he breathes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> then. It's, you know, funny, like my solution, at least my favorite solution in music was is the reason why I, I, I went towards street playing was because it eliminated every aspect of the business from the music. I could yeah. just do no promotion. I hated all of the promotion stuff. I hated the pressure of having to be at a bar or at a club or whatever and them looking at you like, hey, what's up? You know, sort of like I'm on the street. You like it? Throw a buck in the basket. If you don't walk on by you know, and i'm playing for a bunch of people and whatever so that like to me was the purest the best compromise there because yeah, i makes hated sense. the business yeah, part makes sense because and you're also getting rid of that like the other musician set the open mic in the back looking at you like angry angry because yeah. you're doing okay or whatever what's also what was interesting was that you also get this aspect of you're getting more com more exposure to different levels of the public that you wouldn't at a club. I mean, who goes to a comedy club? There's a certain age demographic. There's somebody who has time to go to a club at night. That's what they want to do. Mm. When you're playing music for the street, you get babies. You're yeah. never going to yeah. play to a baby. And by the way, babies are the best audience to music because like you can, I've played on the street for hours and hours and hours and every single baby in a stroller that's ever walked by me, ever, always turns and looks because they understand that this is like the magic of this moment mm. not some sort of future projection that their mom has pushing them if she's like going somewhere yeah. else or yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like the baby's like hey like it's in the moment cool. like, hey, this is happening hey, this is yeah. like that's better than whatever else we're doing like this is cool like this dude's like jumping up and down and playing some music and sounds kind of cool so anyway there's just a lot of that and so there's a lot of a lot of benefit to it but 
Yeah. If, if, if the only thing is, if it, uh, because I enjoy, like some of the festivals I do, the fringe festivals where there's a lot of stand-up comedy, but then there are also street performers, and I always enjoy looking at them and how they work in the audience and how people gather and how it is indeed a very diverse audience. Uh, the only thing I always feel with stand-up comedy, doing that on the street, it's if you take the stage and the lights away, you're just a madman shouting <laughs> weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, right, right. The the ones that seem to work that I've seen are like the the clowns. You know, they yep. put a, they put a funny face on and they go and grab the people and do funny stuff yep. with them. Clowning is, uh, can Clowning be really is cool. a little yep. a little different. But I w have you ever been have you ever been tempted to try stand up comedy on the street or no? Is it just not tempting? It's 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 uh there's some technical difficulties. Well, not so much technical, but circumstantial difficulties to it. Um, I've done a few shows in in the park. During mm. also during the COVID uh, time, they started to do some shows in the park, just outdoor. People gather; it's a lot of fun. Um, but the feedback you get from the audience is different. Because yeah, they're just they need to determine what you're doing first. Yeah, that, that first of all, and you know they come and go halfway through a set, so that's weird. Uh, but also just the dynamic of being outside. If it if in a in a closed room, uh, people hear each other's laughter which incites them to laugh more and express right. themselves more. Right, right. And if you're open air. Open air, and especially people are sitting a bit farther away, just in the grass, relaxing. Uh, because they're so relaxed, they la laugh, laugh less. And because the laughter kind of disappears in the air, right. it's also less contagious. Uh, so the feedback situation you get from the audience is, right. is different. Do you is there any aspect of like the sort of alcohol and the sort of, let's say, substances that come into a comedy club? Does that... I mean that could that would be maybe more that would be less let's say subdued outside if you're outside but how do you how do you how does that play in do you think like the the whole drinking aspect of it uh, I mean a little bit of alcohol loosens the audience up right uh, too much as well no good. yeah yeah it's there's a uh, sweet spot yeah there's a sweet spot if you do it at comedy festivals uh, sometimes you got very late night shows like uh, one o'clock at night. Then the you know it's, it's, it's it's people are wasted. You need to don't tell story jokes. You need to tell short jokes because if it's a story, they they'll, they'll, they'll lose. lose. Yeah, yeah, they can't keep track. Uh, they might heckle more because they're just they're drunk. They're yeah, drunk. Sure. Yeah. So do you? I mean, the I guess the question is is when you're up on stage doing the show, do you now that you've given your life to this? Do you feel when you're doing that that you're vindicated, meaning that, that you've made the right decision, even though, like, okay, take all these other concerns that we've been talking about, financial concerns and whatnot. Well, yeah, when yeah. you're doing the show, are you like, wow, man, like, this is this is my life. Like, this is really what I what I should be doing. It's it's if a good show gives you so much energy, and that's priceless. That's That mm -hmm. really is priceless. And also interaction with the audience afterwards, if they come up to you like, hey, this was great, I really enjoyed it. Uh, mm. That's 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 worth. Yeah. That's uh, I think that's still worth the the, the stress and the trouble uh, yeah. because I'm I'm still dedicated to this, uh, but I am just also being very uh, realistic in the sense that you know I need to keep an eye out on how sustainable this is. Right. I guess yeah. It's um. I mean. It's a service to people, right? Because you're making them laugh. You're inspiring them. You're giving them some, you know, some levity, some joy in in a difficult world. They might be going through really difficult things, and so I think it's like a, I think it's a huge service. Comedians telling the truth, and you know, kind of like I think it's great. I love, I love stand-up comedy. I grew up on 
like Richard Pryor yeah. and Eddie Murphy, like Eddie Murphy Delirious. When I yeah. saw that first, I was like, that blew me away. I mean, that was incredible. I think that was the Delirious and, and Raw as well. Those were the first like proper real stand-up comedy specials. Yeah. I, not, not in real life, but I saw just on a, on a VHS. What did you probably. think? Did you like it? I, I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's no, that, he uh, was amazing. So talented. Like all the different voices he could do and the different, the way he would tell a story about like his barbecue or whatever and just make it hilarious. It's just, it's just incredible. Yeah. Um, So I think we we can sort of land the ship. I wanted to know if, um, if you had any advice for anybody who's like, let's say they have a create the creative outlet, they are a musician, they're a comedian, they're whatever. And they're sort of trying to think through how they're going to, let's say integrate, their creativity with trying to make wriggle through trying to make a living in this modern world do you have anything from your experience over the last bunch of years that you think might be helpful to someone like sort of in that position it's i, I don't know if, if, um for the performing arts more um what has been a, i think a blessing for me is is actually that i travel a lot um because that made it easier for me to to make it uh, f- you know to m- make a living off of it uh, relatively quicker because um, you're already in these locations you were used to the traveling life and that's sort of the life of the road comedian anyway you were yeah. living it essentially and the, and the thing is uh, like a lot of my c- comedian friends they live in the Netherlands they just perform in the Netherlands and whenever I'm in the Netherlands um, now I get a lot of nice paid shows uh, because I'm only there one month of the year. If I would live in the Netherlands all year round, yeah, you I would, would be get a few show. more shows, but basically they would spread out over the whole year, which would make it financially very tough. Uh, so be, to, me, to me, it is an advantage that I already was traveling and that I still, I love traveling uh, in the sense that now I go to the Netherlands, I get very good paid shows, because I'm just there for a few weeks. Then I go to Prague, where I'm maybe two weeks out of the year, so I also get all the nice spots on nice shows that are there that week, because I'm only there. Right, for that know, week. For that week. So you, and if they want you, um, you're special there. And same for Barcelona there. and Luxembourg and other places. Um, so yeah, I get more paid, good paid shows, uh, simply because I travel a lot. Hmm. Uh, That's interesting. And... Um, that's for the performing arts obviously a writer would be different or what have you i chose in my my path i chose the sort of like i still do music and writing um and do it just as an avocation and i've done the sort of combination of of entrepreneurship so a business of creating Mm. businesses as a way of using creativity but also mixing it with the office we're like the sort of you know let's say more pragmatic pursuits and I like it because it enables me to, I can create my own little utopia. I can create my own environment. I can work with the people I like. And I get to use creativity to give them jobs and give them opportunities. It's wonderful. So I'm going to end with like sort of a business kind of question, which is, so what is your plan to get to that level where this is sustainable for you over the next, like what's your, what's your thinking, your best thinking about how to do that um. strategically? Strategically, I'm I'm figuring out in which markets I sell best, basically. Uh, by tr- I, I travel a lot, and I always try to add new countries and new cities uh, to to my list. And I'm figuring out, hey, in this city, I do really well. 
like that was very those are very profitable gigs and then i return that return to there or make right, that a stru right. structural thing uh, and meanwhile while doing that building up and growing a following how are you doing that what's your strategy for that um of course ask people that came to shows like hey you know follow me and have little flyers lying around on how to follow me because you know they've already been uh, so they're potential return customers and they're also sure. more likely to buy tickets uh the other way is putting content online uh which TikTok is, or whatever yeah yeah which is unfortunately something which you really have to do now as a, as a comedian not just to build up a following for people that buy tickets but also a comedy club that books you is gonna they want to know where's your podcast yeah Where, where's yeah, your yeah. andrew schultz kind of like like how many people are following you and then they see in my case it's about ten thousand on instagram then so like, they like oh, that's that. a, that's yeah that's a good number that's uh that helps um so yeah you need to invest a lot of time now as a comedian in just putting stuff out there creating little clips snippets uh captioning sure, and them. that takes a lot of time too yeah yeah, yeah which yeah. is time you're not spending like writing comedy yeah. you're just putting out like you're just sort of taking what you do and sort of distributing it around yes. interesting so yeah we talked about that the other night there's this idea of if you could cultivate like what's there's this sweet spot number where if you could cultivate a certain number of places that you could then go once a year and you're not overstaying your welcome mm -hmm. but you're so you're maximizing your income and also at the same time building up an audience not getting not oversaturating them like okay this kid again this guy again like you know i see him every month like i'm not going to go to the show again yep, but yep. like so what is that sweet spot is it once every six months that they would come and pay for a ticket or is it once every 10 months or is it once every year sort of figuring out what's that number of places that you can cultivate over time yeah if i feel for a lot of places f for me it seems like every six months is is, is the right way is a good frequency yeah right so if you want to tour and what's your ideal for number of shows like oh by the way i miss you that like how many shows are you doing a year you, you told me before but not on the show uh oh yeah if, uh, so, so this year so far i've done uh uh 170 it's a lot uh you know just entered november and uh, November and December is going to be a little bit quiet. So I think I'm going to touch close to 200 at the end. 200 shows. Uh, is yeah, that a good that year? Is, is that a is that a your that's goal? A, that's uh, that's a good good year. Yeah. Um, also, I need to be on stage quite often to kind of get in a rhythm of developing material because it's not just writing. I need to test it and change it. And so, do uh, you do part of your show is like stuff you kind of know, and then you keep twenty percent for R and D, like research and development, yeah. or is that how it works? We call it uh, tend to call it the shit sandwich. <laughs> like you do good stuff at the beginning and at the end, and then in the middle you shove <laughs> some new stuff. <laughs> like here's the play the hits in the beginning and at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I like that. Open strong, close strong. That's always important. And in right. the beginning you got some. In the middle you got some time to maneuver. Got it. Uh, but to uh, ideally i definitely want to do 150 a year got it uh, so the idea is what are the 150 best locations to do that so you're sort of collecting then over time the best locations financially sort of travel plan wise logistically like what's you know you can't like yeah you want to be you want to be places where you can get to easily and also make money so and i i do also always want to keep some room for just keep doing new places even though it's financially maybe not that lucrative but, right, also but you're you building up some areas yeah too. and also you want to you also want to travel you know right. if you uh, if it uh i mean i definitely want to s 
get some regular cities I keep returning to. I already got a few of them, but uh, I don't want it to end up being exactly the same tour every year because then it's going to feel a little bit nine to five again. Right, right, right. Yeah, I remember I, f- I saw your show at the Bansko Nomad Fest, and that was great. It was a really, it was a good, it was a good set. I was impressed. Was you get to make fun of nomads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is it's like, which is great. It's it's especially fun when you're making fun of people that you actually know and you <laughs> can look them in the <laughs> eye. <laughs> right, right. That was great. Well, Fedor, I appreciate your your coming on, and again, everybody, that's um, Fedor uh, Ikalar, and you can find his comedy and his work over at FedorComedy.com. That's F-E-D-O-R comedy.com so again Fedor thanks so much for joining us thank you for having me it was a lot of fun it was a good chat good stuff